Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right, everybody. Welcome to Revolution. Glad to see you all here. Um... We got a buddy in town from Chicago right now who's on tour with a band called L7, and uh, I'm going to see them tonight. But we hung out last night at um, Updown, the um, arcade bar, and played pinball last night. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, I've known him for 19 years, and he's the first person I ever had to let go from Revolution. And so it's really weird that we're still very close friends. Um, not for anything bad reasons, because, you know, Revolution lost all its money when <laughs> when I decided to be open and affirming. Which connects to today's sermon, because that's going to be one of the, the verses I use, is actually one of the first verses I used when I announced to the church um, that I was affirming. But I'm not using it in that way, but I'll explain it. Um, as you all know, I am going through a theological shift, and I really appreciate the familiar faces that I see here um, who've stuck with me through this shift, and uh, a lot of that's come out of my own pain through the divorce that I've been going through. I just, me and uh, Karen just signed our final, well, our next to final papers for our, for uh, mediation, and so the divorce should be complete in the next month. Um, Just a struggle, always a struggle, you know. Um, Woke up really sad this morning, but I just got up and just got dressed and drove straight here and had some coffee and did some touch-ups on my sermon, trying to stay busy. Um, I also applied for a part-time job, but I'll let you all know soon if I get it or not. Um, It's at a coffee shop. I'm not going to tell you where until I know. And then when I know, you can come bother me. Um, I know nothing about coffee. But the person at the... The owner said he didn't care. He said you can learn. And Pete said, I'm just going to make everybody drink black coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just be like, I want a latte. No, no, you don't. You're going to have black, here's your black coffee. Man up. (laughs) To be very politically incorrect. Um, Yes. You will have this. Or or a a Calvinist. (laughs) You're predestined to have black coffee. Yeah, it's a much nicer. <laughs> now we're in trouble. I'll just give him drip, or I'll just give him the kind that you mix in. I'm just going to bring a thing of Folgers crystals. <laughs> Did you know you're drinking Folgers crystals? What? I can't believe it. 
Um, got hit on this morning when I got here um, because uh, I had a black hanky in my back pocket, and that's a sign. Yeah. Yeah, it's a sign in the in the. I'm not going to get into it because we have children here, but in the LGBTQ community, and uh, I'm not even going to go into a complete story. But he was horrified after I told him I was just an old rockabilly dude. Um, but I mean, I am in a leather jacket and a captain's hat, so I mean, you know, I can't blame him. In his defense. Um, did anybody ever see Police Academy? They would always go to the Blue Oyster Bar. It was a leather bar. Anyway. <clears throat> um, and he's like, I'm horrified. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And I said, no, 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 no. Thank you. It's a compliment. You know, I've been... <laughs> it's been a long time since anybody's hit on me. <laughs> so, it's nice. Um... And then in this Me Too movement, I just don't know. <laughs> so, uh, I think we all like to feel attractive, don't we? Yeah. So, I actually tweeted it because I thought, why not? Why not share it with the world? It's a good way to start your Sunday morning. It literally took me out of, like, my, just out of myself, you know? Um... That was nice. It took me out of my, my weird brain, my lizard brain. Um, I don't know if I want to start with what I'm reading or start with the Bible. Um, I was tempted not to use the Bible at all today. Um, I remember when we first started uh, meeting here, I did a sermon where I didn't use the Bible. and I had somebody come up to me afterwards and was like, you know, I'm just a little curious why you didn't use the Bible today, you know, and they were a little worried about it. I'm like, well, sometimes I don't. Um, I think there's other sacred texts out there, and I even think in music there's sacred texts. I've been, I used to open up with a um, Morrissey song. Um, Morrissey's kind of gone off the rails a little bit too, just like my dad. But um, I still love his music. I'm sorry. Um, but he had this song called I've Forgiven You, Jesus. And uh, I used to read the lyrics to that and uh, before I would do, a, do certain talks. And um, U2 has a really great song about grace. And I've been thinking about maybe doing a sermon on that, which I know U2 is not hip with the kids anymore, but... They'll always have a good place in my heart. Octum Baby blew my mind. <laughs> so, um, for some reason, the millennials just don't get U2. Of course, U2 hasn't really got U2 in a couple albums. So, Am I doing a sermon today, or am I just talking? Is this therapy? Um Yeah. Oh, um, I'm reading right now from The Insistence of God, A Theology of Perhaps by John D. Caputo. Um, I'm trying to understand radical theology more and more, and I talked to Pete, and of course Pete told me, he's like, read The Divine Magician by Peter Rollins. 
I was like, thanks, Pete. Recommending your own book. And I was like, could you send me a copy? He's like, ah, I think I'm kind of low. I think you might need to order one on Amazon. I'm like, you're my best friend. <laughs> so I have to order my best friend's book on Amazon. Thanks, Pete. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing this name right. Is it Mr. Eckhart? Meister. Meister? Meister Eckhart famously said, I pray God rid me of God. It's like the Buddha saying, if you meet Buddha on the sidewalk, kill him. Um, Whoa. But what does this mean? And um, because you're praying to God to rid you of God. And I'm going to read just what he's written down here and um, because he does a much better, uh, Caputo does a much better explanation of it than I do. That is one of the most famous prayers ever made, one of the most radical and also one of the greatest contributions to the poetic perhaps and theology of trouble, which in turn visited upon his name, uh, Meister? Meister Eckhart himself quotes a great deal of trouble. The court theologians viewed this disturbing, saying with inquisitorial alarm, but this was the particular piety of a master of impious sayings. He was earnestly praying, asking God who could never be mastered or domesticated, the one we can never see coming, to rid us of the God whom we think we have in our sights under our control. Did you hear that? If you're online, you can... I'll read it one more time. You don't have to rewind, because things don't rewind anymore. (laughs) He was earnestly praying, asking that God who can never be mastered or indominated, domesticated, the one we can never see coming to rid us of the God whom we think we have in our sights under our control. I pray the God whose coming is always the coming of the stranger to rid me of the God who serves to keep guard over the circle of the same. I pray the God who exposed me to trouble to rid me of the God who keeps me safe. Do you hear that? The God who exposes me to trouble to rid me of the God who keeps me safe. Now, I'm going to comment on this like I would comment on anything Bible, is we have been sold a God of safety. Even when pastors are like, oh, you're tickling people's ears because you're gay affirming. I'm like, no, you're not gay affirming because you're afraid. You want safety. You know, you're not fighting for the for the disenfranchised because you're you're it's safety. So God who exposes me to trouble to rid me of the God who keeps me safe. That gives me so much peace to hear right now because of my life and everything I've been going through. 
is the old Assemblies of God tapes that play in my head tell me God has forsaken me. You know, there, you know, the God I was sold doesn't exist if everything I've been going through has been happening, everything that's been happening to me, then that God doesn't exist anymore. Because I was told that that God would show up and intervene and give me a parking spot and, <laughs> you know, save my marriage and, you know, give me a peace that passes all understanding and everything like that. Now, I'm not saying that those things don't happen, that there's not, not the parking part, obviously, but there is a peace that goes beyond understanding. And I'm starting to feel a little bit of that in my life. Um, but I'm going to read it again because I think it's important. God who exposes me to trouble to rid me of the God who keeps me safe. There's so much trouble in this world. There's so much suffering in this world. We should not be totally considered on our safety. Could you imagine if Martin Luther King was worried about safety all the time? and the safety of his friends and and people he loved and cared about. I mean, he literally had his house firebombed. He was ultimately killed. Or if Malcolm X or people like that had been just more concerned with the safe God. These were people who lived in a reality of trouble. And we live in a world that is troubled and people that are troubled. We are all troubled. You know, it, no matter it be addiction, brokenness, poverty, racism, heterosexism, you know, I, the list could go on and on and on. But I pray that God who exposes me to trouble Rid me of the God who keeps me safe. Now I'm going to go on reading. Who functions as a guarantor of tranquility and order. So I pray that the God who keeps me safe, who functions as a guarantee of tranquility and order, I pray the ground less ground of the perhaps to rid me of the rock-solid ground of the certain and foreseeable. And then in... Quotes, it says, which is what prov- providence literally means. It is not hard to see what made the curry curious, what it found so unnerving in the nerv- nervy sermons of Meister Eckhart, who was a master of the very ner- <laughs> nervy hermeneutics. As Meister liked to say, I go further, and I say this, prayer is God's own prayer, that God too is striving to be rid of God and to break through to the divine abyss. The insistence of God means that God too is asking to rid of the God of peace and quiet. So if you've come for good news today... um, This is ultimately good news for any of us who are going through pain and suffering. It really is. 
I'm going to read that one part that I circled, which you don't know, but the God who exposes me to trouble to rid me of the God who keeps me safe. So I was like, ah, you know, what, what do I feel biblically about this? And I don't know if I'm going to be stretching it today or not. Um, that's up for the listener to decide. Um, some, some of my Pete often says is that the pastor often is the one who believes on behalf of the congregation. Um, I'm not here to be that. I'm just here to be part of this community and hope to encourage you and maybe even allow you to accept your own discouragement in times. Um, everybody's so concerned with getting better, everything being happy, everything being content, us fixing things. Um, it doesn't exist without us making the effort for it. Like justice. Justice does not exist without us trying to make justice happen. You know. Um, Matthew 7, 13, says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Um, and goes on to say, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but in, inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now, I've been told that, I've had that one used against me a million times, is that, that I'm a sheep in wolf's clothing, always lovely uh, to hear. Um, you know, I'm going to read a little bit more. You will know them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every one uh, bad tree bears good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you'll know them by their fruits." Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only ones who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, that is hard stuff to deal with and listen to and go, whoa, what is he saying here? But this was the very first verse I used when I told my congregation that I was affirming. And I said, I'm taking the narrow road. This is going to be a harder road to take. And uh, I think I called it the narrow road. It may still be available somewhere online. Um, but you see the destruction, that the promise of a God that's going to continuously intervene and make your life better is dangerous. And why so many people leave the church disappointed and disillusioned because we're told, oh, God will take care of it. 
you know. Or God is with you in your suffering, and don't worry, he'll take care of you. Know, I mean, maybe God is with us in our suffering, but God is suffering with us. God is not magically coming down and going, here you go. You know, he's not coming down out of the rafters and going, bing. But that's what we want. Or that's what we're sold in the church. And that's what we're told is that somehow that you become a Christian and everything gets better. You know, no, you, the whole idea of original sin is that we're just all broken. It's not that we're all just pieces of crud that, like, the Calvinists like to say, oh, we're all horrible and awful and saved by the grace of, you know. No, it's, it, it just, we, we realize we're human and that we suffer and that we go through pain and that we, we, we do this. And, and I need to be set free from the God that promises tranquility because I can't believe in that God. I'm an atheist to that God. And I see a lot of my friends who have become atheists who are atheists are atheists to that God. They've come out of that and they said, I can't live it anymore. And I go, wow, no kidding. You know, how much horrible theology is out there? How much damaging theology is out there? How many empty promises? Pie in the sky. And I'm not here to sell pie in the sky anymore. Not that I feel like I ever did, but, but this is grace in a way. But what I wanted to read one more time is 13, where it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it. For the, narrow, for the gate narrow <clears throat> and the road is hard that leads to life. That leads to life. Living. It's a tougher road when we accept that we're accepted just the way we are, not the way we should be. I read, a, someone put up a quote, and I wish I could remember who the quote was from right now. It's a really famous guy that I usually agree with. And he, he said, you know, um, God, you know, we don't come to God so we can change. We come to God so God can change us. And... um. In some ways, I was like, oh, I get it. But I wanted to be like, but grace says, no, you're right where you're at. Pete Rollins, my, my buddy, said in, at Wake, he said, grace is the freedom from the pursuit of happiness. Did you hear that? Not for the pursuit of happiness, which when I first tweeted it, I actually tweeted for the pursuit of happiness because my Freudian unconscious is like, Freudian slip was like, just like, yeah, that's what grace is for happiness. No, it's from the pursuit of happiness. It's saying you are accepted, like Tillich said, accept that you are accepted. You may not change, you may not become better, you may not do anything, you may not know more, but you're accepted. This is a different. This, is, I think, is an. an uh, is Suffering. I mean, the whole book of Revelations was actually written in code because it was a book of the condemned. It was written for people who were being condemned and being tortured and being killed, and it was written in code so they didn't get killed when people found the letter. 
You know, there's so much suffering in the Bible. I mean, Paul said, I bear on the, my body the marks of what I've been through. Um, so it's a, a more, that's why it's a narrow gate is because you're living in life. You're living life on life's terms. And we see consumerism and capitalism that says the exact opposite. It says get more, get a better house, get a bigger house, you know, have as much sex as you can, get what you can, enjoy your life, just bury your, you know, drink, do love. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with any of those things, but what I'm saying is, is we often bury ourselves in those so we don't deal with our problems. You know, sometimes I take medication, but sometimes I worry the medications that I take are keeping me from facing my issues. Now, I'm a very big, strong proponent, and I believe in medication. I believe it should be taken. But I'm just saying sometimes we slow our growth down because the pain is so unbearable. Because why we want? We want an easier road. We want a wider road, don't we? But that's not a promise here in this religion, in Christianity. Um, I was going to read Matthew 10 about where Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword and all that stuff. But, you know, I've always struggled with that verse. And I don't know if it's really even appropriate for today. Um, So I'm just going to skip it, but it is a verse that I, I, I'll read the first part. It just says, don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not. I've come to bring, not to bring peace, but a sword. Now that you think it's violence and all that, and but he, the sword represented power and um, uh, sword represented, you know, struggle and, and, and power was struggle and struggle and I've come to, you know, but basically, it says, I haven't come to make everything okay. You know. Um, so maybe we can struggle with that together a little bit. So we face our trauma, is what these things are saying. And we realize that we're all broken. There is no promise of satisfaction in the Bible. Um, I'm sure that there's some pastors that would bring out verses and argue with me and things like that. Um, and that's great. Um, but even the love verses are challenges for us to struggle, to not give up, to not lose faith, to always be hopeful, to endure through every circumstance, not to ice skate through every circumstance or not to just walk through every circumstance peacefully, but to endure. To, you know, so we've got to be set free from this God that promises us tranquility why is it peace that passes all understanding? Because it's not understandable. 
It's out, it passes the understanding. You know, it's peace on life's terms. You know? Um, one of the things that Pete said at Wake was grace is that you are accepted. You accept that you don't have to feel whole. Yeah, I think this is all hard stuff, to be honest with you. You know, another thing that Pete said, I'm reading a couple of quotes that I just wrote down. Um, the search for satisfaction is outside of the church. The search for satisfaction is outside of the, should be outside of the church. Because when you fight for other people's lives, when you love other people, when you take care of the poor and the sick, and when you love your enemy, there's not a whole lot of satisfaction there. There's a lot of pain and struggle and patience. That's why patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. You know, when I talked about they'll know you by your fruits, you know, my... I once did an interview with my dad years ago, and he said, well, how can you, you know, you've got to give grace to to um, Franklin Graham. You know, you got to love him too. And I'm like, yeah, Dad, but I also have to look at his fruits. And what is the fruits of what he's saying, doing to LGBTQ kids and their families? It's tearing them apart. It's leading to suicide and homelessness. And bullying, that's the fruit. So one of the things I want to leave you with today is, is unknowing... And brokenness, doubt, is okay. You're accepted. That's what I can tell you that I know about grace, is grace is complete acceptance. You are accepted by that which you do not understand, that which is greater than yourself. So I'm going to look at this. One more time, because I'm going to just push, push, push. Um, I think I was going to, but maybe I moved my... Oh, I wrote down the page number. Thank you, Jay. I moved my page marker. I pray that God rid me of God. I pray that God who exposes me to trouble to rid me of a God who keeps me safe, who functions as a guarantor of tranquility and order. I pray the ground, less ground of the perhaps, to rid me of the rock-solid ground 
of certain and foreseeable. So, can we, can we handle that? You know, um, I'll, I'll read this one more part because I think it's important to leave you with it. Um, where Caputo says, he was earnestly praying, asking that God who can never be mastered or domesticated, the one who can never see coming, to rid us of the God whom we think we have sights under our control. I pray the God who is coming is always coming of the stranger to rid me of the God who serves to keep guard over the circle of the same. I pray the God who exposes me to trouble rid me of the God who keeps me safe. For me, that's how I'm going to hold on to my faith. And uh, so I'll share that with you. And I hope you can hear that and accept that. Um, I know it may seem a, a bit unsettling, but Jesus is always unsettling people, always unsettling the comfortable, you know, and always humanizing the suffering, always saying, no, this person's a human and converting them to being a human and not a whore or a tax collector or this or that. You know, they're human. He saw their humanity. Didn't magically make them perfect. Give them, you know, complete peace. I mean, none of these guys had peace. I mean, all the disciples except for one were brutally murdered. Now, I'm not saying you have to go out and get brutally murdered or anything like that. <laughs> That's not the message here today. The message is just, you know, God is not a genie. And um, if you're suffering, maybe God is suffering with you. And maybe that's why you can't see God there. Because he's, she, whatever, is amongst your suffering. Within your suffering is your suffering. I don't want to sell coins <laughs> or <laughs> promises of peace and tranquility. Um, we got a long way to go. And uh, we'll still have a long way to go after we're gone. So I hope that you can find some peace in knowing that we all suffer, and we're all accepted through that suffering. And um, maybe, just maybe, perhaps there is a God, and perhaps we have not been abandoned by that God. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and uh, you will be done. Um, God, free us 
of God free us of our control and our understanding and, and, and let us let us go into the abyss of mystery and unknowing. Uh, allow us to share one another's burdens and suffering. Allow us to be that which is needed. Thank you for the folks here today, and I hope uh, perhaps that you're there. Amen. If uh, this sermon really got you happy and excited, and you know now you're reaching for your wallets, that's great. Um, you know, this is my this was my fundraising sermon. Um, yeah, this is a prosperity message. Um, no, but just for those listening online, Revolution's nonprofit, and we're able to do this because of your contributions. And uh, you can support us by going to Facebook and hitting the donation button, or going to revolutionchurch.com and hitting it there. Um, that we're not, you know, that's the only way we keep doing this thing. And you, so far, you've made it happen and have stuck with us through a lot of change and. Uh, a lot of adversity. So thank you for that. Uh, this is Revolution Church. Thank you. A post-Christian production.